Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. This morning, I've got my trumpet with me. I'm going to play you a tune here. I actually realized the toy trumpet, but I actually realized it makes a noise. There you go. So uh, I only realized that. I have this a couple of years and only realized that. So, But um, I know it's a bit of silly information. Um, All In Sunday is a great day. We'll talk about the trumpet in a minute or two, but it's a great day. It's a great time to celebrate all that God's doing and to rally the troops and say, come on, together we can do so much more. And so I'm reading in Joshua chapter 1, which we're going through at the minute, and in Joshua 1, it starts off basically after the death of Moses, the servant of God, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. That wasn't information. Joshua didn't need that information. Joshua knew that Moses was dead. He was making a statement, he's dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan. It's a new season, it's a new road, new rules. It's time to do something new and all his people to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. So Joshua got stirred by this, and he says then, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the camp and command the people, saying, prepare uh, provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you. And then he spoke to three groups, to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, saying, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Remember, you got a word in the past, and you need to keep your word, he said, all right? The Lord your God has given you rest. I'm going to talk about that word rest in a moment or two, and he's given you this land. And it's not just for you. He said your wives and your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. I'll explain all that in a moment, all right? But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them. There's another word I'm going to talk about, help, just rest and help, until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. And then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, give you in this side of the Jordan. And so they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Or heed is the word there, but it's the word obey. Now, I talked to you before about trumpets, and I told you how old trumpets were. I don't know if any of you will remember, but I asked a few people this morning, a few people who are younger, and they, one guessed 1400s, the other guessed 1800s. The trumpet dates back to 3000 BC, all right? The days of Abram, actually, believe it or not, to trumpets, all right? So it's an old thing. And now, true or false, trumpets were once used as an Olympic sport, well, it's true. It's true. It's not a trick question. All right. And it was judged on volume. And a Greek guy, this Google's great, isn't it? A Greek guy called a case, won it three times in a row, three years in a row. 
And actually, this was a funny one. Herodorus, who was a very large man, history tells us, learned how to blow two trumpets at once and blew them all away. Excuse the pun. But, um, um, and then I could ask you, which army was the first army to use the trumpet for military purposes? And of course, it was the Romans. And the, they had actually 43 different signals. Pretty incredible, isn't it? Um, there were no walkie-talkies, no radios in those days, no mobile phones, and so they had all of these different blasts. One was for wake up, one was for take tents down, one was prepare to move on, retreat, advance, charge, on and on you could go. So many signals that they actually, the trumpet player had to go to training school so they could learn how to do this, how to make the blast, all right? Anybody think of any old hymns with trumpets in them? Well, of course you can. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call, obey, for to the mighty conflict, and this is glorious day. And then there's another one taken right out of 1 Thessalonians 4, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder. Come on, you are great. Um, now, what does the New Testament declare as the unpardonable sin of the military trumpet player? There's a big question. What does the New Testament declare as the unpardonable sin of the military trumpet player? Well, here it is. It's in 1 Corinthians 14. Playing a non-recognizable blast. Wow. Imagine an army waiting to attack, and they're waiting to hear the blast, and they get a confused signal. They don't know whether to run or to charge or to go for lunch. And so as a church, we need to make sure that there's clarity in our call. We need to make sure that we don't be blasting out on any unrecognizable blasts that people are wondering, well, should I come to that or shouldn't I go to that? Should I be part of that? Should I tick that box or shouldn't I tick that box? That we actually, because the people we lead deserve clarity. And leaders today need to make clear calls. That's why we live in a day that loves to try and confuse the gospel. And all these different theories about end times and all of, and different other things and swoon theories and all of that nonsense. We need to be clear in the call of the gospel. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. When World War II was being bombed night after night, uh, when Britain was being bombed in World War II night after night, and people were wondering what to do. Do we wave the white flag of surrender or do we keep going? Winston Churchill made this declaration. He said, we will defend our island. We shall go on to the end. We'll fight in France. We'll fight in the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We will defend our island, whatever the cost will be. We will fight in the beaches. We shall fight in the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We will fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Now, some people might not have expected that. Some people might not have agreed with it. But whatever, there was a clear call. We're not going to surrender. There was clarity in Churchill's speech. And as believers, we should always be clear around our call. We are progressing on a spiritual journey. And what happens on that spiritual journey, sometimes we make stops. 
The children of Israel had made such a one 40 years previous, and God had been angry with them and turned them around to wander in the wilderness for 40 years till a generation completely cleaned out or stopping short, maybe the result of holding on to some sin or refusing to allow God's direction in certain matters. But the end result is this. Because we wander, we fail to enjoy the blessings of God. And if you're in here today and you're just wandering and you're not dead sure what to do, and you looked at all those boxes today and you thought, well, could I do this? Could I do that? Have a conversation. Don't be part of a wandering generation that just, because I can tell you this, being a little bit older now, I can tell you that one day goes into the next and one week goes into the next and one minute and one year merges into the next and you look back and you wonder, how did that happen? Where did that time go? Where did the last 26 years of Emmanuel life go? And so we, we, we move on to what God wants us to be and the people of Israel here gives us some clues. So let's look at them, all right? After Moses died, God challenged Joshua to take the land. It's a difficult challenge. The river's high. Jordan River is high water season. It, you know, if I was Joshua, I'd been thinking, God, if you'd have done this five months ago, it might have been better. Or you should maybe wait for a couple of months till the waters go down. But the challenges were high. The, and, and God has a way of bringing us through those challenges. Nothing has changed today. Those who are still the requirements of of believers who want to move forward in God. We need to overcome the obstacles. We need to overcome the challenges. And so Joshua commanded the Israelites to get ready. That was that verse we read. His, his call is clear. He's giving, he's, it's not a non-recognizable blast. He's given a clear call that there's a move to go across this land, prepare for provisions for tomorrow, something's about to happen. And then he addresses three groups. He addresses the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Now, it's simple, and I'm sure you'll know this, but the 12 tribes were named after the 12 sons of Jacob. All right, and so the eldest was Reuben, hence you've got the Reubenites, and then their, their fifth son was Gad, hence you've got the Gadites, and then Jacob actually adopted Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And the, the tribe of Manasseh obviously comes from Manasseh. That goes without saying. And so when the Israelites came up from the south to enter the land, they came to the east side of the Jordan, all right? So you'll see it there. They came up to the, 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 the east side of the Jordan, the right-hand side of the Jordan, or you'll see the Dead Sea at the bottom, and the Sea of Galilee at the top and out towards the Mediterranean. And uh, they came up to, from the, the sort of the right-hand side of the Dead Sea up to where you see that little red line. And uh, they are, uh, this was, the, the east side was known as Transjordan or Gilead. All right, the west side um, were, was Canaan. This was the land that God had promised. This was the land that they were about to inherit. And but the, the land on the east side, where they came up, was, was controlled by two kings. You see the orange bit and the yellow bit. They were, they were controlled by two uh, evil kings. And um, one was called Zion, the Amorite king of Heshbon in the south, and Og, king of Bashan, further up north. And uh, Moses had asked permission to, to pass through the territory of King Zion, the green one at the bottom, um, 
but uh, he had refused and actually attacked Israel. Numbers 21 tells us that story and got defeated. And then Og, king of Bashan, also fought against the Israelites and he was also defeated. And Og, the king of Bashan, was the last of the Raphites. And the, the word Raphites means the terrible ones. They were giants. His bed, if you look up Deuteronomy 3.11, you'll find that his bed was 13 and a half foot long and six foot wide. That's a big guy. And they 13 and a half foot long, six foot wide. They were giants. They were fierce fighters. But Og met his match when he took on the God of Israel. And after these battles, the, Reuben, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh decided that they would like this territory east, the tick and this orange and green. And they thought, rather than pass over into Canaan, could we not just settle here? And Moses was really angry with them because Moses thought they were... Um, not following God, but then they promised that they would help. They promised, we'll, 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 we'll go into the land of Canaan, we'll fight and take the land for you, our brothers, and then we'll come back and we'll inherit this land on the east. And of course, um, Moses agreed with them to do that. And so they ended up, these were the kind of the allotments. You'll see why Moses, I could never understand why Moses divided Manasseh into two groups, but you'll see the purpley groups are both Manasseh, the two halves, one's on the east and the other crossed over into the west because you can see how massive a group it is. And, um, and so what would happen, what would happen in our passage, Joshua was holding them true to their promise and it's important to note that the unity of Israel was at stake. So Joshua said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, half the tribe of Manasseh, remember that command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you? And what follows in verses 13 to 15 that we read is almost a word-for-word -word quote of Deuteronomy 3, 18 to 20, the words that Moses had spoken to the tribes earlier. And so I just want to pick up three words, five minutes, and then we're going to have communion. I just want to pick up three words out of my reading and talk about them. Rest. Joshua reminds these tribes that God's purpose for them and for all of Israel was that they may enjoy rest in the land. What does that mean? Does that mean a holiday? No, no. Does it mean that they take loads of days off? No, no, that's not what it means. It means that they would enjoy peace and rest in the calling of God for them. Rest in the Bible is not inactivity. It's not armchair waiting. It's resting in the knowing that you are in the right place for the right time called of God for such a time as this. Maybe when you looked at that little sheet, there was a box that you just thought, I could do that. Or maybe there was a little box that you just thought, I'd actually really love to do that. That's rest. That's finding something that you can go, ah, that's my fit. That's what I can do. Now, um, Joshua reminds these tribes that God's purpose for them, all of Israel was to enjoy that. Actually, when you look Genesis 2-2, you'll see that the purpose for creation was the rest. Rest was always the goal of creation. The end of it all, God rested, and the rest was to be celebrated week by week on the Sabbath, according to Exodus 20 um, and verse 9. But Israel's history, unfortunately, was a checkered one. And when you read the book of Judges, which comes right after Joshua, you'll find that Israel didn't exactly enjoy rest in the land. In fact, there is little biblical evidence to, that Israel ever really kept the Sabbath in any meaningful way before they went into exile. And the prophets 
all of them were very critical of Israel in this. And even um, Isaiah said this. Isaiah said, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. So they were called to rest. But they were also called to help. He so you, you need to help your brothers. That was the call of God 40 years ago that you would help your brothers and sisters to move in and take, take the land. You have to help. And so um, he, he, there's a little expression in Northern Ireland. I'm sure you'll all know it. It's um, on your bike, mate. Anybody ever hear that? On your bike, mate. Or take a hike. You know, and, and sometimes we're good at that. Sometimes we're good at thinking, well, it's not my problem. And why should I volunteer in a manual? Because there's loads of staff on your bike, mate. Get somebody else to do it. And what it simply means is, it means that it's a kind of a self-complacency about our own circumstances while being unconcerned for other people's. And we're living in that world at the moment. Everybody's battling down the hatches. It's me and mine and I and we. There's no, there's no looking out anymore. It's kind of funny, you know, I was saying this to somebody recently. I grew up in the country. I'm a country boy. And growing up in the country as a boy, you knew everybody within a three-mile radius. And yet you can live in a housing estate and not know the person next door. It's weird, isn't it? How we can become so introverted in our society. And we're called to help. We're called... There's. It's very easy for Christians to slip into the on your bike mentality uh, while our brothers and sisters in Christ are struggling in battles and more so our neighbors and friends are going to hell. And there's a challenge in that. And over and over again, the New Testament teaches us that we're to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ and we're to serve our people, our societies. Jesus in a parable of the sheep and goats said this. He says, for I was hungry and you give me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you give me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And of course, he goes on in the story to say, when you did it to these the least, you did it unto me. When you did it to that person that you thought didn't really mean anything or it wasn't really that relevant, he's saying, you did it unto me. Very powerful, isn't it? And then the third word was the word obey. This is a very powerful word, obey. How did the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh respond to Joshua? Well, they answered Joshua. I love this. It said, whatever you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. I was telling the guys earlier that when you study this, and I was looking up some commentaries on it um, through the week, um, it's quite possibly, um, verses 16 to 18 here, quite possibly represent some kind of ceremony. They did an all-in Sunday. They did an all-in Sunday. They said, he, the, there's a transfer of loyalty. They're saying, just as we, just as we trusted Moses, Joshua, we're now going to trust you. We're going to follow you. Whatever you say, we're going to obey. And ceremonially, they decided to celebrate this, that Joshua was now their new leaders. And just as the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh are fully committed to the leadership of Joshua, so we should be fully committed to the following and leading of the Holy Spirit through Jesus, through the Word, and through 
the Spirit. There's just something about this call, about resting and helping and obeying. And so as we conclude, we're going to break bread in a moment or two, and the guys are going to come up in a moment. But just before we do that, can I say this to you? Can I say that we're living in a, in a, in a, in a very powerful day? About three years ago, if you've got my email, you'll know what I'm going to tell you, but about three years ago, I, I was at a conference in the Isle of Man. I was actually doing a couple of seminars, and um, on the Friday night of the conference, this guy spoke, Jonathan Conrad, and my first impression was, I want to get him to Emmanuel. I stalked him the next morning, as we do, and um, after I got my coffee and, and, and a sandwich or whatever I had, I, I, I found that there was a seat at his table and got in, started chatting to him, and Jonathan and I became friends, and we've sort of kept in touch ever since. He's worked in evangelism ministry for 35 years, and, um, and he he's literally travels the world. Um, just out of Nigeria recently, Africa, seen hundreds of people saved, thousands of people saved in Asia um, last year. He was telling me he's bookings right up to the um, 24. And so, difficult man to get. But two weeks ago, he rang to say that a church that had booked him for the 21st to the 23rd of October had cancelled him, put him into put in the next year. And he said, if you, if you feel it would work. And so, we had conversations and we thought, no, it's far too soon. It'll never work, but let's do it. And... Uh, um, and so we just thought it, it, was, it was crazy enough to be God. And so Jonathan's coming. He's bringing four, two guys, two girls work, that work on the streets. He's arriving on the 21st, Friday, the 21st of um, October, which is just a couple of weeks away. And he's, um, he's going to do, Robbie and Ryan are excited about doing a vital and collective youth outreach on the Friday night. And um, so that's going to be really good fun. And then Saturday morning, he's going to do evangelism training with us from 10 to 11.30. There's a sign-up for that in church suite. And um, love you to love you to consider coming to that. We'll even give you a tea and coffee and scones. Um, and uh, maybe even get a little bit of time on the street. I'm not that sure what we'll do that morning, but not be long, an hour and a half. And then um, he's with us literally all day Sunday. He'll be in our two Sunday morning services, and then we're going to do a special outreach on Sunday night. Now, can I ask a question in the room? Does anybody in the room, now don't be afraid to put your hand up, all right? Anybody in the room have any unsaved family or friends or neighbors? Yeah, I reckon most people would have. I, uh, tonight, we're gonna, tonight we're going to pray tonight. In our seek first night, we're going to pray for the lost. We're going to put the cross up here somewhere, probably over here, and we're going to put a basket at it, and we're going to have our little thousand lives cards, which is a, 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 a sort of a guide on how to lead people to Jesus, and there's room to write a name on them. And I'd love you to come and write a name, first name, don't need their second name, just a first name, and then we'll have a basket, and I want you to put their name in the basket, and we're going to pray those people into the kingdom. You up for that? Yeah. And, um, and we'll pray for them for the next two weeks. We'll pray for them. We'll lay them out over the floor at the prayer meetings. We'll pray for them as staff. We'll pray for them as elders. But I'd love, I, I was, I was, I'm a weather freak. Most of you who watch my devotions know that. And so I knew the weather was going to be dodgy enough over the weekend. So I cut my grass on Thursday night. 
and I was cutting the grass and I was praying for this. I was praying for, and I felt like overwhelmed. I started to feel like tears well up in me. I felt like my heart began to break for lost souls. And then I felt the Lord said to me, or maybe it was just my own head, I don't know, but inside, and I felt it was the Lord. I felt like the Lord said, I felt, what if this could be the beginning of the last day of harvest? And that just broke me, and I thought, I had to stop the lawnmower. I thought, God, God, I, can I live to see it? Please, can I live to be part of it? Can I live to be part of the last day of harvest to see thousands upon thousands of people swept into the kingdom? Imagine on the 21st to 23rd weekend, we could see 100 people. Like what's 250, 300 people in here this morning, and this is the second time, all right? And I think if everybody did one, We'd, we'd, we'd have a thousand people. <laughs> but if a few people did, I don't think there's any reason why we couldn't see a hundred people come to Christ that weekend. And Jonathan is, a, is just so catalytic in what he carries. He's a lovely guy. I reckon Dave were on a Zoom call with me with him the other day. He's a lovely guy, loves Jesus with all his heart, and he carries salvation and healing. And that was the call in our lives 26 years ago. Said 20 salvation and healing and he will call for both and I, I can guarantee you if you get your friends in the room I think he'll get them over the line that's the type of person he is and, uh, and so as we come to break bread maybe the team would come up we're going to worship but can I just challenge you in that can I challenge you that uh, um, to rest in what God has called you to do to help what about helping some people come into the kingdom in the next couple of weeks? What about setting your goal to say, I'm going to help some people step over the line? Just like, just like Rahab that Dave was talking to us about with her scarlet cord, that she looked at that and she could say, I, I just need to get my family home. I need to get my family here. Well, you need to get your family here. And next week, hopefully, we'll have a scarlet cord up here. And you can look at that and say, I need to get my family here. I need to get my family here on that 23rd night. I need to get my family here because I want to get them home. I want to get them over the line. That's her, that's her call. And um, maybe it'll kickstart something in evangelism within us again because um, new converts are usually the best evangelists. And so all I'm asking you to do is over the next couple of weeks just gossip the gospel. If you want to gossip, gossip the gospel. I found a great way with salespeople who are overbearing. I had a guy in Super Value a few weeks ago and he asked me who my, when I was going in, he says, can I talk to you about your internet for a few moments? I says, look, I'm just trying to grab a coffee here. And uh, he says, so you don't want me to save you money? And I goes, I just, I don't really have the time. So you don't have time for me to save you money? And I said, okay, look, I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal. You're looking to save me money. If I give you time for you to talk to me about saving me money, will you give me some time to talk to you about saving your soul? And he said, uh, he says to me, I'm not interested in that stuff. I says, I'm not that interested in internet either. <laughs> and we parted company. But uh, uh, so it's a good line. Hopefully, hopefully the next guy will 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 fall for it. 
Let's pray and let's get ready. We're going to tables at the front, tables at the back. And We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.